0: Hi everyone. I'm Allison Ramsey with the Empire Life Podcast, and we interview entrepreneurs from all around the world about their online empires. And we're a conscious tech company helping entrepreneurs to launch their online empires. And today we have an amazing special guest who is a tribe building expert and entrepreneur. She's the founder of this amazing tribe that I also belong to and I've been following for months called the Hatch Tribe. She's the Hatch Tribe founder and entrepreneur coach. I would like to hand it over to her to intro herself a little bit more.
1: Uh, thanks so much for having me, Allison. It's so fun to be here with you and uh, share a little conversation. And, and yeah, I uh, am the founder of Hatch Tribe, and I work almost exclusively with women entrepreneurs, helping them launch and grow their businesses. And I say almost exclusively because there are a few guys that I have worked with throughout my career. But yeah, my mission really is to help women entrepreneurs build successful businesses and i think you know success looks a little different to everybody but i think there are some good markers of a successful business and one of them is it's got to make money
0: absolutely absolutely and and how do you well that leads me into my first question what is kind of like a precursor of how you determine if someone is ready for that kind of growth cuz i feel mm-hmm. like there's a certain kind of mindset that entrepreneurs need to be in before they can be visible Enough or feel even enough of themselves to be able to bring in that kind of energy and the money that they really want
1: Yeah, I mean What I will say is, I think for every business owner, it's truly an evolution. Um, You know, where you start the first day you launch your business is not where you're going to be two years in. And, you know, the very first year of your business, you're really experiencing just growing pains everywhere. You know, you don't really know what you're doing, you're testing a lot of assumptions, you're trying to see what sticks, and you're growing a lot. And if you're really good, you're listening you're taking in all the information and you're starting to marry together data with assumption. And then we can really start to change the things that need to change. And so by the time we get to our second year in business, we're operating a little differently because we now have data. It's not just those assumptions we made before we started a business. Like, is this going to work or is it not? But I will say to answer your question, when we get beyond that and we really start to look at what we've been doing, you know, It takes grit and it takes determination and it takes discipline and it takes showing up consistently. And so I think where we start to see it separate and people who are going to succeed being business owners are the people who are willing to get down and dirty and do the work and they're disciplined and they're consistent. The ones who want to just jump in and out, who want to like feel good all the time, they're probably not going to make it, you know? And so I think... Entrepreneurship's just not for the faint of heart. I mean, that's just the reality. Like, it's hard work, and you have to know it coming into it. And if you get into it and you're like, "This is not for me," it's all good. Like, exit out of it. That's okay. Like, that's an okay decision if you find that this is not the best fit for you.
0: Wow, wow, Hillary. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> I feel like, as you were talking, something that came up for me too. I've always been an athlete, and I feel that, and I was a college athlete mm-hmm. and. That a lot, of, a lot of athletes I see, as you were talking about, they have an easy time transitioning also into entrepreneurship. They're right. like, I'm okay with pain. I'm okay yes. with like getting back up again, dusting myself off a little bit. Everything's yep. going to be all right. I can get yep. through this because there's always going to be these, there's going to be super highs and there's going to be also super lows and we need to yep. be okay with both. There's learning experiences within both.
1: Yeah. What is your
0: take take on that?
1: Well, I think pain is like a really fun word to use for this because it, I mean, there are moments that are brutally painful as a business owner and like, it's going to test every limit of you. It's mentally and emotionally challenging. Oftentimes it's financially challenging and that can feel really uncomfortable. And you know, I think we have to be okay with leaning into the pain. And I think what, where this disconnects is that a lot of people are drawn to the idea of entrepreneurship because they want freedom and they want independence and they want these you know, ideals that do come when we build a really good business. But they don't come without work they don't come without leaning into the pain and so it's like we've got to be good at that we have to learn to navigate the highs and lows and i think the key is when you hit a low moment what do you do you know do you sit in that moment and and complain or outline all the reasons you're not going to be able to move beyond it or do you bear down and say okay like this is what's happened and yeah, it sucks but like what do I need to do right now and how quickly can we shift into action mode and get out of it and that's really going to be the test is like do you say, stay in this moment of like stinking thinking or do we move on cool yeah I love that
0: stinking thinking like really yeah yes so true and and with the Hatch tribe, do you feel that's part of moving on faster? Like to have that to have that infrastructure around you that support the the people that you can say that to. Oh my gosh, this totally sucks. Yeah. I know I'm gonna be okay. And it's sometimes you don't know and you also need somebody else to tell you it's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Oh, Hey, that moment
1: you're in, like I've been there and you'll see. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. it. I mean, we, my experience as a business owner with the very first business I ever started was, you know, I, I spent a lot of time just feeling pretty alone. I was like, man, like it's just me. And you know, at the time it was, I was a solopreneur. I had no other employees working with me. I was working from home. I was bootstrapping my way through it, right? And so a lot of that experience is what other people are going through too. And so I felt alone. I felt really isolated. I thought, well, it must just be me. There can't be anybody else who's experiencing this type of pain that I'm going through. And little did I know that there were like thousands of other people like me. It was just that we didn't have yet the community and the platform for it, and I think, you know, what I experience now, and certainly through Hatch Tribe and through other organizations, is that, you know, when you find your tribe of people, and in this case, other entrepreneurs, other women who are going through this, then you realize how quickly, like, oh, hey, it's not just you, and you also can get really good at asking for help, and I think that that's oftentimes our it's not our strong suit, you know, Definitely especially not. women, like <laughs> we're like, no, I've got this, I'm good. Um, <laughs> So it's like the the quicker we can learn to just ask for help, put it out there, let the ego go and just be like, dude, I need help. Like I'm, I'm a mess on whatever this thing is. And sometimes it's mindset. Sometimes it's like an actual practical thing in your business. It could be tech related, like tech's not my expertise, but it's yours and I might need your help. So, you know, it's really finding the right people in your tribe so that you're not going to the wrong people asking for advice when they can't help you anyway. Like if I went to my parents and I was like, I need help fixing my website. They'd be like, ha ha. Wrong person to ask. Right? So it's the same thing in your business. Like you need the right people. And when you surround yourself with the right people, you get the right support.
0: Yes. I feel, I feel that's definitely a mindset shift and something that I tell myself is okay, What do I need to level up right now? What kind of support do I need? I ask myself and then I wait and I let the universe and God provide that for me. And I continuously tell myself, whatever I need, there is a person who is an expert in that and they will come to me. Mm -hmm. I really don't need to do, I don't need to be doing anything right now. If that's what I need, I know that person will reach out to me. Or I'll be at a networking event and we'll have a conversation and I'll say, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I need. Mm -hmm. And then we'll continue our relationship from there. And having that mindset, that belief, it always works out like that.
1: Yeah. And I think part of it too is like when we, if we've identified something specific and we're like, I actually know I need help on this, why not just put it out there? Like, Tell people you need help with that thing. So it's like a good example and one that comes up a lot is when people will say, you know, I've been trying to run Facebook and Instagram ads and they just don't work for me. And I'm like, well, it's not that they don't work. It's just that you haven't figured out how to do them right yet. So go ask who can teach me how to do this stuff? We can put it out there. And yes, it's a little bit of both. It's like when we build that right connection in the right community, it will be a give and a take. So we can put it out there into the world and the right people will show up. And it's, it's the constant give and take. It is, it is. It feels so vulnerable though. It can
0: honestly like to ask when you, when you put that out there, Well, for, for people that have a really strong personality, which a lot of entrepreneurs do and they're their own bosses, they're controlling their own life and their own freedom. And when they put that out there and say, Hey guys, by the way, I don't have it all figured out and (laughs) and the crickets, right. And and until they get an answer, like what's your advice on that to, to lean in to that kind of vulnerability?
1: Yeah. I mean, the the thing I can tell you is that when I share failure stories, I have more responses than when I share wins. So the more I can step up and tell you how I'm deficient in some way, how many things I've screwed up, how many things didn't go right. It really is what people relate to. And so when we sit back and we don't share our stories openly, and when we sit back and pretend like we have it all together, we're really doing disservice. And we're doing disservice to other entrepreneurs, to other women, and to the landscape as a whole. Because if we perceive that everybody else must have it all figured out, then what we're teaching other people, whether they're younger or older or our peers, is that they have to have it all figured out. And that's truly not it. But what you do have to have, if you're going to run a really good business is the ability to ask for help. You can't do it alone. I mean, you just can't like, yes. Can you bootstrap through like the first year of your business? Absolutely. Lots of people do, but there's going to reach a point where you can't grow any further without having some type of assistance and asking for help is not a failure. It's always a win. So it's like, you got to go in and just make the ask. And you're always going to find that anytime you express and this is in the right environment, when you express, I need help with something, people will show up. People love to help other people do the things that they know how to do. And when you have the right environment to put that in, it's great. You know, so it's like, yeah, it might not be great if you, for example, put it on your personal Facebook page and just tell like every normal friend you have, like, I need help with this. Cause they're like, eh, they're not really the right audience. But if you're a business owner and you have a platform to go ask other business owners for that help, you'll get the resource hundred percent. Perfect.
0: And what if you don't have that resource? Do you suggest starting your own?
1: I mean, I think it's finding your, I say finding your tribe, and I mean that really deliberately. You know, it, like Hatch Tribe, obviously, we serve women globally. And so you could be anywhere in the world and be part of what we do with Hatch Tribe. But it, you might find that our vibe is not your vibe, in which case I would say, that's okay. Like, I want you to find what works for you. And there are countless organizations, whether they're local to the city that you live in, or whether they're online and they're virtual, that will be the right environment for you. And yeah, you might have to test out a few and like go become a member in one and join it for a month and see if it's the right fit or go to some events and test them out and see if they're the right fit for you. But I think the key is this, you can't sit back like a wallflower, you know, so don't waste your money. Like don't go join a a community organization or go to an event and just sit back. Like, If you're going to go there and you've spent your money there, like go lean in, ask questions, make connections, you know, ask people for connections to their friends, get introductions, like lean in because otherwise you're not really going to know, you know? So it's like, you got to make the ask. And that's part of our job as business owners. You will always be making an ask if you're in the position to sell and you are always in the position to sell. Always
0: completely. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I feel also when you lean in to ask, you're testing the waters in a way. How? What kind of response am I going to get?
1: And no by
0: by the response you get, that is an indicator of is this really my tribe? When you're a wallflower and you're sitting there, and you've also, like you said, paid money, and you never ask anything, you're not. You're of course you're protecting yourself, and you're keeping your fears and your insecurities, and you're staying safe. But you, you'll never know if that's really the people, like your people. Yeah. Until you've got to put yourself out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, and isn't it such an apt analogy, though, when you think about, like, everything in business, you know, it's like, like, the sales cycle is certainly one of them. You know, like, it requires us to put ourselves out there. You know, it requires us to say, this is what I do, and do you want to work with me? And, like, we're going to get a lot of no's, you know? Like, that's just the reality. Um, but you have to be able to do it. I mean, if if we want to stay safe and not have our feelings hurt and go through life just kind of coasting, we're not really going to grow. We're not going to be successful building a business that's profitable over the long haul. Like sure you might have some short easy wins, but you're not building something that's really sustainable. And so it's like I think you really have to ask yourself like what am I building? What am I doing? You know, do I have a vision for something? And am I living in alignment with that vision? Am I acting in alignment with that? Am I acting in the way that I need to as the owner of this business, if this is what I want to achieve in my life and in my work? I
0: love that. That is so true. I feel like that's a question that every business owner can ask themselves with every decision. Is sure. this in alignment with my vision? Is this in alignment with my long-term goals? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if yeah. more of us did that, we will be wildly more successful. Yeah, and I want to pivot a little bit, Hillary, with asking something a little more personal on like with with you going through. How long have you been an entrepreneur? Uh, Going, I guess, over seven years now. Amazing! Wow! Yeah, congratulations! Thanks. (laughs) And during this journey of being an entrepreneur and your own boss, what are what would you say were your top three areas of growth?
1: Great question. Um, I think one is, I so I'm an only child and I have no first cousins. So like, if this gives you a sense of my temperament, like I am fiercely independent. I love doing things on my own and it comes naturally, you know? So for me, learning how to actually ask for help, but also learning how to play nicely with others was something that took a little bit of work. And there's still occasions where I don't get it right, you know, and I can hoard tasks and I can be like, "Oh yeah, because I do this better, but the truth is, it slows me down like when I'm trying to hoard things, I'm really not helping our team grow, I'm not helping our business grow, like I have to learn to let go of it um so that's probably been like the the prevailing one that's been like through most of my career, even before like running my own business is like learning that it's, I'm not the only one who knows how to do this stuff. Like there are plenty of other people who know how to do it and I've got to let them in. Um, So that's one. I think, you know, another is um, really understanding financials. And I think it, it's complicated, right? Like when you build a business and you build that first pro forma or you build your first budget and you have an idea of what you think you're going to do, it very rarely matches up with what actually happens. And I think the quicker you can reconcile that, the better. And so in my case, like, of course, I built this plan and thought that my very first business, which was in festival and event production, I thought that it was going to deliver, you know, $100,000 a year the very first year out of the gate. And of course it didn't. I mean, we lost $30,000 the first year. And it wasn't until the second year where we were starting to see like, oh, some of these things are working, we're learning, et cetera, et cetera. My point being, I think you have to understand your financials very early on and you can't avoid it. Like you can't go through your business just thinking that like, it's okay. I don't need to look at my bank account. Like you got to, and you need to look at it every single month. So I would say that's a lesson I learned sort of the hard way is like really knowing I needed to understand it, to be in it, understand how I make money, understand what I might be spending too much money on, um, and how I will become profitable, the road to get there. Um, And let's see, number three. Um, (laughs) I think there's so many things. There's so many things. Um, You know, I will say, and this comes back to sort of the mindset side of the coin, but when bad things happen in your business, it sucks, right? And so when moments in my journey have been really bad, and like a good example I could give you is that when there was an event that we produced that was called Spring Jam Music Fest. And the very first year we produced that event, it was a two-day festival um, and it rained both days. And so we had spent six months planning this event and we got to the day of the event and we're like, oh my God, like we're not even sure this event's gonna happen. And we, that year we had, Ed Sheeran was on our schedule to perform. And his management team showed up and they're like, I don't think we can put Ed Sheeran on this stage safely. Like they were worried about him getting electrocuted on the stage. So we're like trying to figure out what to do, you know? And so like we move into action mode. Like I was talking about earlier, like we, we didn't sit in it too long. We immediately went to like, what do we need to do right now? But I will tell you the aftermath of that, we lost a ton of money. I mean, it was $30,000 in one day that we've lost. And I sat there and I was like, Holy crap, like I just want to bail out. And I I really was having that kind of scorched earth moment where I'm like, I don't know that I'm made for this. I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I can stomach this. Um, And that was hard. Like it was really, really hard. And I have to remind myself, just like we were talking about, that there will be moments like that where you're going to lose $30,000 in a day. Conversely, there'll be other days where like you have to fire an employee and that really sucks. And I have had to remember that like these things will pass and not to get too caught up in like that moment and and to really just remember like, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Why did I want to be an entrepreneur to begin with? And like, is it still in me to keep going on this path? And the answer has always been yes. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be here. But I have let those moments sometimes derail me, and for oftentimes more time than I think that they necessarily should have. Um, but I would say the piece that I lacked, and what I can say now, looking in hindsight, was like I really lacked people who had been through that. I didn't. I didn't have peers that I could turn to and be like, "What happened when you lost thirty thousand dollars in a day? What did you do?" I didn't have anyone to go to, so I sat alone alone with those thoughts. And I would go to like my parents and they'd be like, what do I do? And you know, my dad's like, stop the bleeding. You got to stop the bleeding. And I'm like, I'm like not running a bad business. Like I had really crappy weather and like, that's what happened. Like, what do I do? So I, I use that to illustrate, you have to have the right people, the right people in your tribe. You know, like my parents are lovely people and they're great for a lot of advice and hugs and cheering me on and all that stuff. But there's things practically as a business owner that they can't solve. There's things practically as a business owner, my best friend can't solve. Um, So you need the right people. And I just didn't have that. And so I I learned that the hard way, but it's what led me to hatch tribe. Like that's why I built this business is because I know what it's meant to me now. Like now that I have that community, it's totally different. It's a game changer.
0: I, I completely agree. It's a total game changer. And I, I look at it, I'm in several masterminds and I want to start a mastermind for empire life too, because mm-hmm. I don't want people to suffer the way I, I would even like to use the word suffer because it feels like suffering when you're it does. In moment. It's hard to find the joy. I feel like if we can find the joy in that, even in those moments, mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, this is, what can I find? Or for me, I ask myself, like, what can I learn from this? But I can't, mm-hmm. I a lot of times can't do that until I'm out of the experience, even a little yeah. bit. It's so difficult, like, when you've it's lost 30000 or you have a nightmare client, or you have a yeah. client that doesn't want to pay, or yeah. you have to fire uh, an employee, or you have to have those super hard, vulnerable conversations with other people in your life that are not yeah. quite respecting your boundaries. It's, it's, it's in those moments that can, can we, can we have grit? Can we continue? Can we get up? Can we continue going? And like you said, we have to have people around us that have been through it before. Mm -hmm. And someone referred to it recently to me, like a, like a Google for whatever you're going through (laughs) on our team. You know, we have a real estate guy even, that I haven't even used before, but he's a network. He's in my on my team. If anybody ever needs real estate investments, we have yeah. a cryptocurrency person. We have a finance guy. Yeah. We have Facebook ads, Instagram ads. Right. A marketing guru. Um, any almost anything that I may need, I have within my team and my network. Yeah. And that, that's and it took me also a long time to realize that that I don't have to do this all on my own. Mm. And I, I need a team of experts around me. You don't have to be an expert at everything.
1: And no. And you're not going to be. You're not going to be. You're not going to be. Yeah. Okay. And do you, do you really want to be? No.
0: Are you really interested? Like, I'm not really interested in, in uh, finance as much as I'm interested in tech. I am somewhat yeah. interested in it because I know that it's, it's a necessity. Sure. And I, I agree with you on the finance part too mm-hmm. that I actually check my account every day. I'm obsessed now. I got yeah. so into it. I want to know what we spend on every yeah. area. And like you said, where you can cut back because as an entrepreneur, there are some areas that you will need to sacrifice, even if it's temporarily, especially yeah. at the beginning of your business, that then. From there, as you gain momentum and more income, then you can splurge a little bit more in those areas. But in sure. order To know what you can tighten, you have to know what you spend.
1: Without a doubt,
0: uh, I completely agree.
1: Yeah, the knowledge is power, but it's only powerful if you use it. So, like, you can't just look at it; you got to go do something with it. You know? Exactly.
0: I wanted to to also go into go into depth in how so. Having these female relationships within the Hatch tribe is invaluable. I mean, the female sisters that I have, mm-hmm. like my biz besties, I don't have any right. sisters. Mm-hmm. So I consider them, I have one brother, and he is actually a lot older than me. So a lot of yeah. times I, I felt like an only child as well. Or I think there's a certain gap where you're kind yeah, of like an yeah. only child. But I'm <laughs> <that they're> not. <laughs> we have a very good relationship, and I learned a lot from my brother. Mm -hmm. but like I it took me a while to learn how to have strong healthy female relationships so much so that at some points in my life I thought well maybe um it's just not gonna work out maybe I need mostly guy friends until I hit like this plateau where I was like no I need sisters like Mm -hmm. real sisters that I can count on and also business besties that i can call and we can talk about business business things and i can go to networking meetings with yeah have within the empire life tribe like what is some of your advice and putting yourself out there and building those relationships
1: yeah i mean i think first of all just to address like male feminine energy i think it's like a it's an interesting place to start like i in my early career, most of my mentors were men. Like my, my biggest career was in the beer business. So I worked for Miller Brewing, which later became Miller Coors. And that was an eight year career. And the vast majority of my managers were men. The industry is primarily men. And I benefited from having some of the most amazing male mentors in my entire life. And similarly, I didn't, you know, I had no siblings, so I didn't have a sister. I had a couple really good girlfriends, but I wouldn't say that that female relationships were really part of my world. Like I had developed a lot of really good male relationships, and then part of that was because of the industry I was in, and I spent a lot of time at work. So, all that to say that when I got to owning a business, what I very quickly realized, and what I think many of you probably are experiencing, is that there is sort of a different mindset and I'm going to use this gross generalization. So just go with it. But it's like, often the male perspective is very numbers driven, financial driven. And that is the only indicator of success. It's like, how many people did you call? How many people did you sell? How much money is in your bank account? What I know though, from working with women entrepreneurs is that their goals and when they start a business are often very different. So They are driven to it because they're looking for a bit of different freedom and independence. And oftentimes that's for running a family, having children, wanting some space around that. And they do want to build a successful business. They want to make money, to be very clear, but they treat it very differently. So they might not be looking to grow a multi-million dollar enterprise and have an exit in three years, right? So they may be saying, I just want to build a business that can earn me $150,000 a year. $100,000 $100,000 a year, $70,000 a year. I don't know what the number is, but it's different for everyone. But it's a little different. And so what I have found is that both perspectives are fantastic, but it's kind of knowing where you are. And I think what we have sought to, to really fill It's just an understanding that like your goals can be different. Your metric of success can be different. And I think universally as women, we're a little more open to understanding there's a whole mindset thing going on. That's not just sort of like the brass tacks of running a business. And you have to be able to do both. Like you've got to be strong mentally and have good fortitude here and be able to go out and do the work that's hard and tough. And we believe there's a way to teach you to do that. And that's what we do. But on the other hand, you do have to understand your financials. You've got to know how to build a great marketing plan. You've got to do the sales, right? So to me, it's really blending together both of these energies so that we really can build a business that's robust, but it's also robust personally because you don't choose to go run a business just because. Like often you're choosing it because you have goals for what this vision of your life is, you know? And I think especially for women, you know, so we, we often come to it a little differently than our male counterparts. And so to me, it's been important to sort of build that space so that we can show up and support sort of all facets of being a business owner.
0: I completely agree. Yeah, I, when I started Empire Life, I sought out mentors and I honestly wasn't able to find any senior software developer mentors that were not men. <laughs> so yeah. I, I made it, I, I accepted to male mentors and that it served me well for, yeah. for the first year of the company. And I made a promise to myself that I will be a mentor for mm-hmm. women in the future because there's so few of us that are software developers and tech founders. Right. And and I, so I wasn't upset about that. I was like, I'm, I'm going to, to make the best out of this. Yeah. I'm going to give back as much as I can, as much as my mentors have given me. And yeah. we have a few female business coaches on our team. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I've seen too, that, that the people that are really good in business are oftentimes you see that are making more money are men. Mm-hmm. And, and, but I, I feel, I completely agree with you and I feel like it's not only about, the income that you see coming back in. It's also like, what are your goals? How, what kind of income feels good for you? Like, what are the reason? Like I always go back to, I want to be home more with my daughter. I, I want to have a better relationship with her. I want to have more time and freedom to have better relationships with my parents. Yeah. And that is my vision and my goal that keeps me going. A lot of days when it's hard is not yeah. only about, okay, I, I have, I want to make X, Y, Z and income. It's like the income uh-huh. is, is here and the energy is coming for more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that, that, like you said, we need to know our why and our vision. And a lot of times mm-hmm. it's not only about the money. And exactly. I have a really uh, intense question that I wanted to right. go into. Uh, also is how do you, is mold and shape the relationships in your life that help you to be a better entrepreneur. Like, do you, do you believe in the theory of we are training other people to get along with us and we're molding, do you feel like we mold the relationships to either help our lives or that they're kind of taking away from our lives? Like what, what is your viewpoint on that?
1: It's an interesting question. Um, It's making me think about like, like where this would be applicable in sort of my own world. And like philosophically and sort of practically, I will say my belief is we really have to show up the way that we want our community to show up. And I use community really loosely, you know? So it's like whatever you feel like you belong to. Right. So like in my case with entrepreneurs, like we have built a community that has been built on some very distinct platforms. Like we, we show up honest all the time. Like we tell stories that aren't always pretty. We tell ugly truths, you know, (laughs) we present scenarios that, you know, sometimes make you want to cry, you know, and, and by being authentic and by being brutally honest about failure and flops and things that haven't worked, we've really created an environment where people feel not only capable, but they, they desire to share also. And so in that way, it's been really important to me to show up that way. And, and of course, part of it too is like, I, I know people by name, you know, so people who come to our events, like I seek to know their name and I seek to call them by their name and I seek to make them feel welcome every single time they're there. And even if I'm only meeting them virtually, I want them to feel welcome. And so to me it is a bit of what we bring to the table and so i think in that way we are calling the people that we're working with or the people that are part of our community to mirror that back to us right and we have to exhibit that behavior because otherwise you know it might not be mirrored back and we might not be deliberately creating what we want to create now on the other hand i'm thinking about like more intimate relationships you know like say your boyfriend or your spouse or you know like your best friend like I also think we have to honor people where they are, you know, and I think we can't expect that we're going to change people. Um, I mean, and gosh knows, like there've been moments in time where like, even with my boyfriend, I'm like, God, I really wish he'd do something different. You know, like Mm -hmm. I wish, you know, when I said this, he would do this or I, you know, and we don't see things the same way. And I think, the more time you spend with someone, you know, where you do have the depth of the relationship, you do have to really honor them because they have grown up the way they've grown up and they have risen to their level in their life through their own life's experiences. And all of those experiences are valid. So I think we do real disservice when we start trying to expect everyone to behave like we are or to do things the way we want them to do it. And so, I think even with employees, it's really honoring who they are, what they bring to the table, how they do it. And as long as it works together and they don't have to do it exactly our way, let them do it. You know? So it's a little bit of both, but I I think that's such an interesting question.
0: (laughs) I agree. Yeah, I do feel like it's a little bit of both. I feel like you were saying it's about getting to know the people deeply and what their strengths and challenges are. Mm-hmm. In, in the intimate relationship and within our employees and then kind of melding those together with your own and how yeah. is this compatible with me and how are we playing right. off with each other I always ask myself what could I have communicated better like is there something maybe that I didn't communicate mm-hmm. clearly before I get upset or angry towards a client or or an intimate relationship of course. I'm like what more can I do right now to communicate more?
1: Yeah.
0: And once you're at the point where you know that you've done everything you can do, then the ball's not really in your court anymore. No. Like <laughs> you hold the ball as long as you can and figure out the best way that you can communicate. Mm-hmm. And, and then you live with no regrets and you know that you've done the best you can. That, that's the, the philosophy that I try to live by. Yeah. Uh, I, I do feel, I hear people saying when you are dealing with clients that you are teaching them how to get along with you. Mm-hmm. Like how, what is, how do you feel about that? Like about how often they contact you Yes. Yeah. or, <laughs> or yeah. when you respond to them or <laughs> how many questions they can ask, how much time you allow them to have of your time, like one-on-one per month. And I, I feel that this, this is, especially for female entrepreneurs, a huge challenge Yeah, with monitoring that. Like what is your advice on this?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, I work with clients on this all the time, so it's a boundary Mm -hmm. question and Mm -hmm. you know, we don't get to be mad when we didn't set a boundary and someone's running all over it. So it's like, if, if someone's blowing up your, Phone, and you keep answering the phone, and you drop everything else you're doing to go follow that one person's request that's so urgent. Of course, we're teaching them that that's okay, you know. So, my philosophy is I want to get really clear up front when I'm working with clients what the rules of the road are. So, like when you have a very defined project, so like a web design, or me working with a client over the course of 12 weeks, or whatever the heck you sell. Anytime there's a process, I want to be clear about what's included and what's in it. And so I teach my clients when they can contact me and what that looks like. They certainly can Marco Polo me. They certainly can email me, but those are the two ways they can contact me. They cannot call me for extra time and they can't text me. And I tell them that, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, I'll get back with you in 24 to 48 hours. You know, I will always follow up with you within 24 hours with a recap of our last live session. So yeah, I mean, you are telling them. And I think the key is, do you enforce it? Um, And I think the biggest instance we see of this is when, you know, the client calls and they have this like urgent request and you do drop everything you're doing and you go follow that. And the truth is that is not sustainable in any business. And so put them in the pipeline. So like, Sure, I'm, I am happy to do that work for you and I would be happy to get on that, but I just want to be clear with you. It's going to take me 48 hours until I can start working on it, but I am on it. And so we're just, we have to give them the information. They just want to know that you're on it. They don't need you to drop everything unless you've taught them that that's what you're going to do every time. So don't do that. <laughs>
0: yes, don't do that. <laughs> no. That is so true. That is so true. That came up recently for one of our clients that. I said to him, we're researching this. We're on it. It, we, we feel like it'll take this amount of more hours Yeah, and be back with you tomorrow. And that has taken me time. Like you said too, to learn that, to learn how to communicate that I, I see that this is important to you. I hear you. I see you mm-hmm. and we're working on it. It's taking a little longer. You can even say it's taking a little longer than expected. Sure. Because, it's all communication. Uh, especially with tech, we've seen that a lot of people they don't know what's going on behind the scenes because they're not sitting next to you in, in yes. front of the computer with us and or they're not seeing how everything takes a long time to load or like we're updating the software. Yeah. They don't know how time intensive that is. Mm-hmm. So it's about about all like you said, about the communication saying, mm-hmm. We're on it, I'm we've got this covered for you. Yep. This will be completely done, you know, within 24 to 48 hours, and it, we actually put it in our contract of our times that we will answer and yeah. like time like off times. Sure. And so it, it, like you said, it's come up so many times when I had the choice. I get an email. I don't answer emails after 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. every day, and uh, and I've gotten emails from clients at like 11 p.m. and I'm like okay, this is my choice. Like, do I enforce my own rules? Yeah. So hard because you're in love with your clients. It's so, so challenging in those times to stop yourself and be like, can this wait? Is this necessary that I have to answer this right now? Am I following my own bylaws? (laughs) Yeah. Your own like
1: code. My own code. Yeah.
0: Okay. This can wait till tomorrow. I will answer them and giving them the space. I try to give my clients the space on the weekend too. Instead of following them, following up with them on Saturday or Sunday, I'm like, I want free time on the weekend. I'm going to give them their time too. Yeah. So this can wait till Monday. Like all that, all the mutual respect in giving the same back Mm -hmm. to the people that you're working with. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's
1: a great philosophy
0: (laughs) before we wrap up, Hillary, I have one last question for you that what will you say if you were starting a new company tomorrow? Like Mm -hmm. what are the top three things that you'd be like, I'm going to do this this way with this new company. I've never done this before with any other company from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I know now what I know from these seven years of being an entrepreneur, I will do this moving forward.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> this is a fun question. So <laughs> the first is you don't need all of these plans and documents and all this stuff. You're never going to feel ready. It. You don't need all this stuff. You need some stuff. You need some bare minimum tools, but you do not need like six months worth of work to be able to launch it. I want you to like figure it out, have a plan, move on. The second thing is you have to sell, sell, sell. And- my friend Kim Orleski says you should sell like hell the entire first year of your business because you have to. And so do not waste your time going out and trying to create all of these things until you have sold it. Because what we want to figure out is whether or not you have a market or not. And you're going to know. You're going to know really quickly if you go out and you start selling it. And if you're getting a whole bunch of no's, then like, let's figure out why. Like. Is it your messaging or is it the product or the service? Let's pivot something and pivot it quick. And that's really the last thing is like these iterations need to happen fast and iterations are not failures. So it's like whether you're in the tech world or whether you're in the product world or a service-based world, like when you get feedback, move on it. Like just move, make the iteration and move on. And don't assume that it was a failure because it didn't work. Like the best entrepreneurs are iterating all the time we're tweaking things, we're changing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And so it's like, think of it more like building the recipe for the perfect chocolate cake. Like you're not going to land the perfect chocolate cake the first time you try to make it. But after you've been making it for 10 years, you will. And so to me, it's about being consistent, keep showing up, keep doing the work, iterate on it, and you'll get there. But just move on. Like, let's not spend too much time trying to be like, oh, was it this one ingredient? Who cares? Move on. Let's go.
0: Exactly. And then do an Instagram story of your <laughs> failed chocolate cake. <laughs> 100%. percent <laughs> like, talk about it. Look at it. It's sunk in the middle. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm the worst baker ever.
1: <laughs>
0: I will get it. <laughs> I forced a yeah. kid to eat it. They didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. I love, it. I love that.
1: Go on. It doesn't mean anything. You just got to go on with it. You know?
0: Yes. I love that analogy. And, and I feel it seems like kids are better at this than, than a lot of us. A lot of times they just get back up again. And I see this all the time with my daughter. She's like, well, you, like if I ever talked to her about business things, well, that was a learning lesson, mom, is you going to do things differently the next time you got this. Like, <laughs> How old is
1: she, Allison? Uh, 11 right now. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I love that advice. I mean, really, like there's, there's not the, there's no concern about like what others think yet. There's no like judgment zone. It's just like, okay. And I, you know, when I think about where so much of our angst stems from as business owners, it's because we're comparing ourselves. We're comparing ourselves to where we think we should be we're comparing ourselves to Instagram and these people who are Insta famous are we're spending too much time sort of judging it, you know? And I think that it's such a cute story, but it illustrates it perfectly of just being like, yeah, okay. You learn, move on. Like, just go (laughs) like, we don't have to spend any more time sitting here. Like we can just keep going. So I love it. Smart girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She has
0: so much wisdom already.
1: (laughs) To (laughs) So awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much, Hillary. And, thank you. Uh, how, how can people find you on the Hatch
1: Tribe? Yeah, so the easiest place is to go to hatchtribe.com and you'll find links for everything we do. And I'd say, you know, the, the easiest way to get involved is just to join the member circle. You can be anywhere in the world and you can experience what we do. And I think, you know, the two platforms are really Connection, which is all about community. Like, we will give you that tribe of people to ask questions, to get the advice, and to not have to Google it all the time. And the other side's education. Like, we bring you the pointed education that you need as an entrepreneur, as a business owner to become better and do it quick because we know you don't have all year and a day to learn it. So, I'd say that's a perfect place to get started. So,
0: yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, Hillary. Thank you so much, Allison.